Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Hi, it's Fraser here. Before we get started with this week's Spiked podcast, I just wanted to let you know about a very exciting opportunity we have here at Spiked. We're looking for a full-time advertising sales executive. So if you've got a bit of experience in media sales and securing new brand partners, if you're commercially minded and you're driven by making sales, And if you're passionate about promoting Spike's journalism, then this could be the job for you. To find out more, just go to spiked-online.com forward slash jobs. That's spiked-online.com forward slash jobs. Hello and welcome to the Spike podcast. I'm Fraser Myers and joining me this week as ever, we have Spike's editor, Tom Slater. Hello. And the co-founder of Thoughtful Therapists and coordinator of the Declaration for Biological Reality, it's James Essies. Nice to be here. Coming up on today's show, we'll be talking about the Armistice Day Palestine protest, the ban on conversion therapy, and Just Stop Oil's trip to the National Gallery. So, Tom, tensions are kind of building over this upcoming march on Saturday. Um, Palestine protesters are essentially planning to march on Armistice Day. The government is putting pressure on the Metropolitan Police to ban it outright. The police have refused, saying that it doesn't meet the threshold for um, danger or disorder Mm -hmm. in terms of the intelligence they've gathered. There's also been a row um, with Suella Braverman, the Home Secretary, who's accused the police of being far too lenient on these marches and not treating them like they would any other kind of protest. I mean, what have you made of this? It's been such a strange spectacle definitely i think there's a couple of things we've probably got to break up here one of which Mm. is the calls to ban these marches which as despicable as i found them i really think it's not the road to go down i think if we're arresting people it's got to be because they not for what they're saying not for the message that they're representing but because it's spilling over into incitement to violence and it's spilling over into plain old violence and i think we've got to maintain that line very importantly otherwise we risk martyring some actually quite bigoted people on these particular marches that being said i think there's been a really chilling attempt to portray these marches as something that they're not and i'm not here just talking about the people involved or the people on the woke left or the people who are very attached to this particular campaign even kind of middle of the road kind of centrist liberal opinion is trying to suggest that when Suella Braverman referred to them as hate marches, for instance, that this was outrageous. They're calling for a ceasefire. They want fewer civilians to die. It's the complete opposite of a hate march. And that's something I think really needs to be confronted because as much as I don't want these things to be banned, I think these marches do need to be understood and challenged, counter-demonstrated and all the rest of it. We have to Mm. recognise what we're up against. And what we're up against is a deeply hateful and questionable movement. I don't know how 
the Gary Linekers or the James O'Briens of this world have missed the number of cases on these demonstrations, which were going on every Saturday in London, of people wearing stickers glorifying the paragliding Hamas terrorists who launched that pogrom just a month ago, even though everyone seems to have forgotten about that. Um, even if they want to put all that down to a couple of bad apples, the people who are chanting for jihad and glorifying terrorism and so on. Yes, an awful lot of them, but still, they might say, well, you know, any protest is going to attract a certain level of undesirables and whatever. Then you look at the people who are organising it. Yeah. So the Telegraph had an expose this week. Half of the groups who are involved in organising this march on Saturday have links to Hamas. And we're not talking about like six degrees of separation. They were once in the same lift somewhere or whatever. There's a gentleman called Mohammed Sawalha, who's already made the news because he's the kind of former Hamas chief who now lives in North London. He set up one of the organisations which is behind this march. His mm. son is currently its vice president. There's another two groups where their leaders of these groups have reportedly met with Hamas's chief in Gaza. And then you've got the kind of more leftish groups, things like the Stop the War Coalition, who have been saying some pretty Hamas-friendly things for many years. You know, Some of their co-founders have suggested they're a legitimate resistance group. Palestine Solidarity Campaign had to suspend a bunch of their members from Manchester because they put out this blog post on the day after the pogrom saying that it was heroic. Mm. So if you're not put off by the bad apples, do you not think even the people running this, do you not think it's questionable? Do you not think that maybe a march organised by people with this many links or nice things to say about Hamas might naturally attract a fair amount of pro-Hamas people? But it's striking how the kind of like the virtue signalling commentariat don't want those facts to intrude on what they see as a very neat narrative. Yeah which is the oppressors versus the oppressed. And and also, I think we can't deny the fact that I think a lot of this comes down to the fact that they'll oppose anything that Suella Braidman says. Well, that, yeah, <laughs> it seems to be, it's become a yeah. substitute for both thought and a personality for a lot of these people, I think. That was what I was going to put to you, James, actually. I mean, it seems as if people are more angry at Suella Braverman for mm. calling these marches hate marches, agree or disagree with that, than they are with the actual hatred that is on display on these marches. I mean, yeah, I've seen some very strange opinions come out of all of this. I mean... Look, there is a world of difference if you look at the kind of pro-Israeli marches, gatherings, etc. that have taken place versus mm. these pro-Palestinian ones. And undoubtedly, there is a lot of hatred to be seen. I mean, just before I came here, I saw a clip from a rally today where they're shouting, uh, honour our martyrs. Yeah, you know, outside so, King's College London. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this is this is terrifying stuff. At the same time, I agree with you, Tom. You know, I don't believe that we should be banning these. Um, I, I also try and avoid kind of guilt by association generally myself, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. So even if there are, you know, particularly bad apples at some of these marches, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, paint everyone with the same brush. However, you know, th there is a certain level of complicity that's going on with these because people know what the, I think they're getting themselves in for when they attend one of these because we've seen it, you know, over the last few weeks. Um I've been surprised, actually, by a number of individuals, organisations who are supposedly free speech, though, mm -hmm. who have come out and said that these should just be banned. Yeah. Yeah, I, was, I, was, I was a bit concerned by that, actually. Yeah, that is very disappointing. Mm -hmm. I mean, Tom, you know, as James was saying, I mean, they're not all bad people going on these mm -hmm. marches. A lot of people are concerned about the humanitarian situation in Gaza. But it does seem as if, you know, surely it's possible to express solidarity with Palestinians without being racist. And yet, why do so many people fail that test? It's, it should be really, really easy. No, it's, it's incredible. I think there's an awful lot of um, ignorance on the part of some people. Um, they don't really, you know, there's been some videos doing the rounds of, you know, some sort of couple of students who are going along. They don't even know which river and which sea is being referred to in, mm. from the river to the sea chance. So there's an awful lot of that going on, an awful lot of useful idiots, I hate to say. Um, I think there's also a lot of people who are purposely just trying to obscure what's really going on here, trying to pretend it's all about peace and it's all about a ceasefire. I mean, if this was genuinely 
a peace march, if these were genuinely peace marches, surely, to my mind, that would begin with saying that Hamas should surrender and release the hostages. That seems like a given that they were the aggressors in this mm. particular instance. And when we talk about aggression, we're talking about a anti-Semitic pogrom, the likes of which we haven't seen since the Holocaust. Do you think that would be the starting point? The fact that it wasn't, I think, is quite striking. The fact that these marches began immediately, even whilst the gory details were still filtering out, you know, essentially a march opposing Israel immediately after yeah. Israel has been attacked in such a barbaric kind of genocidal, you know, proto-genocidal fashion, if you like, I think really speaks to a really deep bigotry that's there. And I, I'm not trying to suggest, as you say, that everyone who goes on these demonstrations is fully signed up to that horrendous agenda, but I would counsel them to just have a brief look at the sort of people who are involved, the sort of things that are being said, and the sort of other groups who are globbing onto this particular movement. And it's quite clear that it's deeply reactionary, anti-Semitic, Islamist as well. And surely, if you are one of those people who's genuinely just interested in peace, you should not want to have anything to do with these people. Yeah. But they still go weekend after weekend after weekend. You know? mm. and, and James, I mean, one phenomenon that interests people is that you see often see signs saying queers for Palestine, or you've seen similar... Um, in America, I think people have said sex workers for Palestine mm. or reproductive rights aren't free until Palestine is free, these kinds of things. I mean, what do you make of the way that this has been just tacked on to every other kind of woke issue? I think most people are utterly naive as to the history behind the Israel-Palestine conflict. I think that uh, it becomes extremely emotive and I think it becomes very um, ideologically based and I think quite identitarian in many ways because you know like I, I grew up in Dublin I'd often go visit Northern Ireland and, you know when I was a young teenager I was I was confused at the beginning when I would kind of be outside a unionist house and see an Israeli flag flying or a nationalist house and see a Palestinian flag mm. flying I was thinking what, what on earth are these Middle Eastern flags doing in Northern Ireland and then you know when I learned about it and the way in which uh, you know the, the Catholics kind of in some ways associated themselves with the Palestinians because they said well the British came over and you know invaded and occupied and all the rest of it and I thought this stretches far beyond actually what is going on in the ground in, in Israel and the truths and the evidence on both sides this has become something greater than this and I think people will just align themselves with a side because of their own background, because of what they were taught growing up, etc. And they will d just dogmatically stick with that, irrespective of what the facts or the evidence are out there. So I think it's it's such a complex landscape that, but I, I truthfully, I don't think most people actually know the first thing about, you know, what's really going on there. Yeah. And, and Tom, finally, I mean, one thing that talking about this upcoming weekend, mm -hmm. uh, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, the far right, will there be a far right presence? Is that the real uh, danger here? And possibly has Suella Braverman been trying to gin up this far mm. right? What do you make of that? Yeah, there was a report, in, I think it was in the iPaper, suggesting to the extent that the police are worried about these demonstrations on the weekend, they're, mo they're mainly worried about the far right backlash. I just find that really quite stomach turning. It's not to say that there isn't a far right in this country, but they're pathetically small. Yes, mm. they're trying to mobilise around this particular issue. I'm sure a ragtag band of them will show up. Um, I'm also sure other people who might show up just to, for Armistice Day or whatever might get tarred with that same brush given the way that this is being portrayed. But given we've had now four weeks of a different kind of fascism effectively being expressed on our streets in terms of this deep anti-Semitism, this Israelophobia, this, you know, people openly calling for the ethnic cleansing of Israel, to then kind of just pivot towards the real problem uh, a handful of far-right thugs who may or may not show up, Yeah, I think really speaks to how much 
the culture war has infected even how our police are dealing with this particular issue. I know we haven't talked much about Suella Brogan, which is probably a good idea because people talk about her far too much. <laughs> but it is, it is interesting how, you know, when she made that point about, first of all, about hate marches, but also about how the police have really displayed a, a remarkable partialness in terms of how they're policing protest. The thing that has made everyone come out in hives today. She's right to say that. That's yeah. obvious. They've been remarkably relaxed about these particular marches. And I think especially during the period of lockdown, we saw a, a very clear example where you had well, literally within weeks of each other, anti-lockdown campaigners being arrested, fined in many cases. And then as soon as the Black Lives Matter movement kicks off, you've got police not only giving them a much softer time of it, but actually taking the knee. All this sort of stuff is a is a matter of public record. So that's one thing about this, it's, which is really quite clear, is that kind of political considerations, as well as just a kind of concern about, well, if we clamp down on this, it will, it could be a problem for community tensions or so on. Entering the equation time and time again, it's really deeply worrying as far as how easily the police has been politicised. It's not to say that I want clampdowns to be enforced more evenly. No. It's just, to, exactly, it's just to say that anyone looking at this and saying it's outrageous for Suella Braverman or anyone to suggest that the police have become have some very warped priorities, shall we say, and, and an increasingly clear bias. I think they're lying to themselves. They suggest that's not an issue at mm. this point. Yeah, just, just to say on the far right point, I mean, I found it ironic that, you know, as you say, the far right, you know, vanishingly small in this country, but one of its kind of key stars, Nick Griffin, you know, I look at what he's been posting online. Mm. Yeah. He's very much posting anti-Israel, anti-Semitic. Mm. If, if anything, he seems to be showing some sort of solidarity with the Palestinian marchers. Mm. So I think there's real irony there, actually, in terms 100%. of what, yeah. what they're saying, yeah. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. So the government's plan to ban conversion therapy appears to have been dropped. It doesn't appear in the King's speech, but... Labour are promising to have a full-blown ban on conversion therapy that would include trans people. Uh, James, I want you to explain a bit of the dangers about that. But first of all, do you want to explain your um, declaration for biological reality and what that is about before we go on to conversion therapy? Sure, yeah. So I, I, I along with 20-plus organisations, launched this declaration Monday, gone simply because we had had enough. You know, our position is that gender ideology has infected all areas of society. It's risking children's welfare, women's rights, the rights of gay and lesbian people, and also free speech in this country. Um, and we need to do something about it. And so, you know, this declaration has a series of demands for politicians um, under all of those headings. Um, and, you know, it's been great to see the support that's uh, been had for it. You know, we've, I think, got about 17,000 signatures in a few days. Um, and the signatories are, you know, from across the political spectrum. Yeah. You know, I'm saying that this isn't about right or left, it's about right and wrong. Um, and I think our signatories definitely show that. So I'm I'm hoping that this can at least get some of the dialogue starting because no one can, uh, no one can say, you know, that this ideology hasn't taken over society. One only needs to look at the primary school textbooks that the children mm. have been exposed to. One only needs to look at some of the sporting competitions and some of the, uh, you know, completely unfair practices that have been taking place there. All the people who have been cancelled, lost their jobs and livelihoods for daring to say that a, a man cannot become a woman. And um, in terms of where, where does the um, plan to ban conversion therapy th fit into this? Because it is mm. many sort of gender critical people have raised the alarm about this as, as yeah. problematic. Well, it's, it's, it's a misnomer in and of itself using the word therapy. And actually, one of the government spokespeople a few years ago acknowledged this because this isn't taking place, you know, in therapy rooms up and down the country. Mm -hmm. These type of practices are actually usually taking place in private families or even usually, I think, in religious settings as well. But there's a lot of misinformation out there because the other side will say, we need to stop the torture of trans children. You know, and I'll say the last time I checked, torture was already illegal in this mm -hmm. country. And that's the thing. All of these horrific practices such as electroshock therapy, corrective rape, were criminalized a long, long time ago. And, you know, thank God for that. But this legislation would ban talking therapies, yeah. uh, explorative therapies with children for what is a mental health condition. And would that sort of push uh, therapists into taking a kind of affirmation mm. approach where they have mm. to say, they have to agree with a patient that if they say they're a girl, they're a girl? 
Correct. Uh, it would essentially create a bunch of kind of robotic nodding dogs. Mm. Um, and it would lead us to treating gender dysphoria in a way that we don't treat any other mental health condition. You know, it, it, it's not a, a therapist's job to simply nod along with whatever their client or patient is telling them. You know, part of their ethical responsibility is to explore and even potentially challenge the things that the clients are saying to them. Yeah. And certainly to embrace reality over delusion. And so if we come from a position that, you know, people are not born in the wrong body, they cannot change sex, therapists, whilst being empathetic and respectful towards their clients should be exploring these factors. Um, so it's it, it's really quite concerning. I mean, it, it's not in the King's speech. That doesn't mean that it's not going to be introduced. And actually, just today I saw that they showed the ballot for the private members' bills in the House of Lords, and topping that is a private members' bill trying to ban conversion therapy. Right, so. and, and with Labour supporting it, maybe that could come in before the election, but obviously mm. it could happen if Labour win the next election. Yeah. And Tom... Given that a substantial proportion of people who um, present as trans mm -hmm. will grow up to be gay, isn't there a deeper irony in this um, calling it conversion therapy mm -hmm. if you're essentially going to force people down a sort of trans affirmative pathway? No, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. And the, the LGB Alliance have been very good at highlighting this particular grim and potentially quite disastrous irony, which is to say that, as you suggest, there's an awful lot of um, children who present as trans, who believe themselves to be trans, who turn out just to be essentially struggling with their sexuality. Mm. Um, so if you put that fact next to the fact that this ban would effectively mandate a kind of affirmative approach, you end up with a form of gay conversion therapy. You end up with a form of effectively taking a child who will just grow up to be a happy homosexual individual and fixing them. Mm -hmm. in this kind of sense and it's a it's a game one of those things and as you say james the, this is a very much kind of cross-political issue and that's been very mm -hmm. comforting to see but at the same time there is something incredibly unprogressive incredibly reactionary about a lot of this politics we talk a lot about the impact on women's rights which of course is a very clear example of that but also the fact that the threat it poses not just to gay rights and so on but even just to gay individuals, if you mm. like, at that really tricky stage of development where they might be struggling both with their own feelings about themselves, the things about the, the way in which their families are dealing with them. I mean, there's been, without wanting to name names, there's been many cases of people basically saying they trans their child because they were gay and that various members of their family were uncomfortable with that. That's a, that's a recurring trope you see in a lot of these stories. Does that not make people have some pause and yeah. think about this? Surely you would think so, but I think people just prefer to ignore it, prefer to pose with the little placard saying we're against trans conversion therapy and not actually think about any of these issues. You know, the virtue signaling is more important than actually being virtuous. In this yeah. sense. I want to move on to talk about um, possibly a more amusing um, side of the trans story. Um, so the 2021 census um, is quite famously introduced a sort of question asking people if they're trans for the first time. Now, it turns out a lot of people especially if they're foreign, didn't quite understand the question. So we now believe that there are over 200,000 trans people in the UK. But strangely, one in 67 Muslims are trans, according to the data. Um, the highest number of trans people is actually in Newham in mm -hmm. London. Um, queer capital of Europe. The, the queer yeah. capital of Europe. More, more trans people there and in Brighton mainly because it has the highest pop, uh, concentration of uh, foreign-born people. Uh, so the ONS admit there might be some local problems, but they've sort of stood by their, their overall data. Um, what, do you, what have you made of this, James? Oh, the whole thing is a complete and utter farce, you know, and they, they clearly got this wrong. I mean, they were warned about the language mm. at the very outset and that this was going to confuse people. They pushed on with it anyway, and now that it's come to bite them, they've become very defensive and they're acknowledging that they kind of 
that this could have skewed the data, although they've been quite, yeah, they've been quite defensive about it. I mean, this will come as a, 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 an upset to some individuals, including Nancy Kelly, the former CEO of Stonewall, because when those initial results came out, and she lives in one of the London boroughs where there was a particularly high tranche of uh, trans people, supposedly, she said on Twitter that she wanted to come out and just shout hello into the street and see all of her uh, siblings, her trans siblings, kind of come and speak with her. So she'll be disappointed by that. But yes, I mean... It, this just goes to show, actually, that this is what happens when you manipulate language. Mm. Um, you know, it's difficult enough for someone uh, who's got English as their first language to get their heads around this, mm. let alone yeah. somebody who's come from abroad and English as a second or third language. So. I mean, and, and Tom, I mean, there's like a substantial number of people, according to a lot of polls, who don't actually know that transgender mm -hmm. women are male, mm -hmm. for instance. So people are very confused about this topic. Exactly. Even people who probably read a newspaper every day and people who mm. you know, feel like they're kind of engaged in the debates in society, people who do have English as a first language. Mm -hmm. This is incredibly um, obfuscating and confusing, but I think it's kind of designed to be to a certain extent. I think there's not to be conspiratorial about it, but I'm just, there's this kind of sense of you can only really have out this discussion if you're really into it. You know, yeah. if you're someone who's properly credentialed, if you're someone who has all of the right opinions on it, that it's something that, you know, the, the great unwashed shouldn't really deal with because they probably have horrible views about it anyway. So it is always, it's, it's been fascinating the way in which the, the discussion and the shift in policies and all the things that we've been sort of talking about on this show and on Spike, how much it really happens at a level that people are even not aware of it encouraged not to engage with it and even if they did try to engage with it probably wouldn't understand it in the first place and that i think is a big part of the reason that we've got things have got so extreme without yeah. anyone really noticing in wider society i think that's a big part of the picture definitely mm. prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed subscription required individual results may vary additional restrictions apply read all warnings before using glp1s side effects may include a risk of thyroid c-cell tumors do not use glp1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer if you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. So this week, two Just Stop Oil activists smashed the protective glass on Velasquez, uh, the Rokeby Venus. Now, this painting has an interesting um, political history. It was famously uh, slashed by one of the suffragettes. Tom, do you think um, it's fair to put Just Stop Oil in the same bracket as the, the great heroes of uh, democracy and women's rights? No. Um, <laughs> won't surprise anyone. But people have been doing this for quite a long time, actually, because yeah. this is the first time they've tried to make the connection so explicitly themselves. They even kind of, uh, after they smash it, they give their little speech where they talk about all the usual stuff about how... It's not words. Yeah, exactly. They, they, they reference the Pankhurst and so on. And it's just, you think... God, the level of narcissism. It's almost offensive Like if mm. you think that you're standing on these people's shoulders in the way that they seem to think so. But there's a lot of people even on the kind of left who have suggested that, oh, because they're also engaged in direct action, as the suffragettes were, that therefore um, they're on a, some sort of moral par with them. The point is, what are you engaged with direct action to do? Are you there to enfranchise more than 50% of the population who are completely shut out of politics and public life, a campaign which was not only 
incredibly liberal and progressive, but also commanded obviously a huge amount of public support, given the fact that women were shut out from politics at that particular time? Or are you backing this sort of juvenile, attention-seeking campaign to try and impoverish the population by ushering in incredibly it's, it, there are there are universes apart but mm. i think uh, the just because you're both engaged in similar tactics and even attacking the same painting as the case might be the idea that they're on some sort of moral par is absolutely ridiculous but i think this is the problem is that, that that's part of the reasons that i think a lot of these just up oil people are almost impervious to the criticism and to the pushback they get from members of the public and yeah. all the scientists, because they really do think they're on the side of the angels. Mm. So it's very difficult to um, detach them from that particular um, understanding. But yeah, it's it's borderline offensive for them to even make that connection, <laughs> I think. And James, I mean, a lot of the sort of stunts that Just Stop Oil are pulling recently are almost quite difficult to get your, your head around. I mean, it's not just, you know, attacking the National Gallery, it's... Uh, Attacking the snooker, or <laughs> is it, uh, you can you can get when they stop traffic. It's annoying, but at least you can understand the connection. I see they're driving, they're using oil, and we're going to put a stop to it. But I think people were just baffled by a lot of this. The the, the snooker one was actually the final straw for me because there is no more innocent <laughs> a pleasure in life than snooker, and so I just I could not wrap my head around it. I mean. It, you know, I actually wrote an article recently kind of looking at the morality aspect, but also the, the legality aspect, because what we're seeing increasingly, we've seen this from Thunberg, we've seen this from Indigo Rumbelow, I think her name mm, is, yeah. um, is that, you know, the, the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, they're getting charged with offences and they're coming out and saying essentially, yes, I, you know, I did the action in question, but actually I believe that I was doing it under necessity. Mm. You know, I believe I, it was the right thing for me to do. And I did a bit of an expose looking at, because there is a you know, t technically a criminal defence of necessity in this country. Um, but the types of cases in which it was used was a case, for example, a number of years ago involving conjoined twins in which the doctors had to basically um, separate them knowing that one would die. But if yeah. they didn't, both of them would die. Mm -hmm. That's the type of thing we're talking about where you can you know, use that defence of necessity. There is no way you could argue that the actions of these individuals falls within that remit, you know, because you have to prove that it's, proportionate, reasonable measures to try and stop death or serious bodily harm. Yeah. Them arguing kind of in an abstract manner about climate change uh, and, and the type of actions that they're doing, including things like lying in front of bloody ambulances, etc. I don't know how they could morally or legally justify that. Yeah, the weather in 30 years will change somehow. <laughs> Tom, anything final on Just the Foil? Uh, no, I, one thing that I would say is interesting is that how when they have made their way through the criminal justice system, what a kind of polite hearing they've often got. Yeah. I mean, we've all seen the videos of the police giving them quite an easy time, saying, mm. do you need anything? You want a cup of tea, a glass of water, whatever. We're here if you need us. <laughs> um, but also, that's one thing which has got less talked about because obviously it's not filmed and can't go mm. viral, but is the sort of thing that judges have been saying to them. There's like various instances of people saying openly, so nice to deal with people like you rather than the kind of scum I usually have to deal with. <laughs> Didn't use exactly those words, but you know, mm. there's, judges have said that. They've applauded them for their bravery, you know, whilst actually sentencing them. This is a real problem that, you know, again, you're kind of having politics creeping into what should be an impartial and kind of blind justice system. But again, going back to the sort of policing stuff that we've been talking about, there is a real problem with the fact that the state seems absolutely fine with certain incredibly disruptive protests, so long as they have some sort of moral sheen to them. You know, it's the sort of thing your average guardian reader would think would be a good idea. Um, but if they're in any way controversial, then they will happily clamp down at them at will. And that's a real problem that we need mm. to get a grip on. It's not a Suella Braveman fantasy that that stuff is going on. Yeah. And I think people just feel like they're being gaslit when they're told over and over again it's outrageous to even point this out. Mm. Definitely. 
Thank you for listening to the Spike podcast. We're back every Friday and you can now watch us on video too. Check us out on YouTube or go via the Spiked website, which is spiked-online.com. See you next time. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.